Tonight is a night of joy. And I don't begin with laughter because this is light. But sometimes laughter gives us a chance to breathe so that we can actually dig deep into what we're going to hear. And we're going to hear some amazing things tonight in a passage which you might not normally expect to see at a Christmas Eve service. It's actually the last few verses of the Old Testament. It's words spoke by the prophet Malachi before a 400-year period of waiting would take place. There's some young people here tonight, and you know what it's like to wait. You're not too old to remember what it's like to wait for Christmas morning. Well, they're waiting. They're waiting for 400 years for the first Christmas. And these final words of the Old Testament recorded for us in the canon are spoken by Malachi. And they're words that begin as words of judgment of what will come of those who do not trust the Lord, who don't fear the Lord, which means to trust Him. But then the word is spoken of these incredible promises for those who truly fear the Lord, who believe in His word, who believe in what He has said. And what Malachi speaks to is the gift of the one who is called the Son of Righteousness. It's not spelled S-O-N, but S-U-N, capital S-U-N. And it's not a typo. It's what Jesus, the light of the world, was referred to by the prophet Malachi. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. I'm going to read from Malachi Chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evil doers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Father in heaven, as we open your word for a few minutes this evening, My humble prayer is that you would illuminate our hearts and minds. We might be tired. We might be anxious. We might feel guilty. We might be here simply out of kindness to a relative or friend. We might be bored. God, only you can break through anything that would keep us from hearing your word. And I pray you would. I pray that you would give me fresh eyes tonight. That my heart would beat anew. I pray for all of us, Lord, that we, like these calves, would leap. Knowing that we can be set free because of the good news of this son of righteousness. So do that work, Lord, now. No matter where it is we've come from or where we're afraid to go. I pray, Lord, for your, your voice, 
to speak to us tonight. Holy Spirit, come. Rest upon us now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We sing about this Son of Righteousness as the Christian and Christmas season approaches. Third stanza of Hark the Herald. Let me read it. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Again, S-U-N, capital S. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Who is the son of righteousness? Why this phrase in Malachi? Jesus Christ calls himself the light of the world. That phrase obviously is referenced back to this idea of God being light. And as Malachi is pointing forward to this one who's going to come, he calls him the son of righteousness. Let's think about this phrase for a moment. You've seen a beautiful sunset. You have felt the warmth of the, the sun as it rises. You have found the security after a hard night of knowing that there's a new day coming. Jesus Christ is the son of righteousness. When John the Baptist was prophesied about, his father, Zechariah, do you remember what happened to him? He, he had a difficult time believing that this child was going to be born. And so he was essentially unable to speak the whole time that his wife was pregnant. But once he could speak, he gave us this prophecy. And in the final three verses of this prophecy, this is what he says. And you, child, he's speaking about John the Baptist, his son, will be called the prophet of the Most High. That's Jesus. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. Now listen to this. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. It's speaking of Jesus, the son of righteousness, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Zechariah was connecting 400 years back to this prophecy about the son of righteousness. Jesus Christ, he is why we've gathered tonight. As Robbie said so beautifully in the confession, he is the reason that we, we have come. I think there are people here tonight, you're being kind to a mom or a dad or a grandparent, but I'm glad you're here. And I really do pray that you will take a moment just to listen, maybe anew to what this is all about. Does Jesus really make a difference? To the people who've come tonight who believe in him, 
Do they really believe that he makes a difference not only after death, but even now? And I believe the answer is yes. Many of you, especially if you're new tonight, you don't know me. So I want to just say a couple things about my life and about what it looks like for me on Christmas Eve. As a child, I never slept on Christmas Eve, ever. I stayed in my room, which in some ways felt like a stall that night. And I would wait for a light actually to go out. And it was the light that was underneath the door. My brother, Mike, and I, he's eight years older, shared a room. And as soon as that light went out from underneath, I knew that after a few minutes, everybody would be asleep and I could get up and I could walk out into the living room where the tree was with the gifts. So usually by 2.30 or 3, I'm out there in the living room with the toys and the presents ready to play. Once I waited 10 or 15 minutes after that light had gone out, I leaped out of bed. I quietly went down the hall, and then I began to play with whatever was there that was mine. In the morning, after everyone else was up, I had already been five, six hours into my toys. <laughs> then came one of my favorite memories of Christmas, and it was the memory of calling each of my grandparents and then telling them item by item, gift by gift, what I got. And they were so patient because I was so descriptive. <laughs> I've told you before from this pulpit about a Tonka fire truck and about a, a black Huffy Thunder Road bike. But every Sunday I stand here, I tell you about the greatest gift of my life. And that's what I'm going to do tonight for a few minutes. And that is this man who is God, the Son, capital S-U-N, of righteousness. He is the greatest gift. It's a gift that goes on for eternity. But I want to tell you why from these verses that were written over 400 years before he came. Because everything you need to know about Jesus actually is right here. So he calls himself the Son of righteousness. Let's think about that some more. The sun gives light where there is darkness. And that's what Jesus does. Jesus gives us light where there is darkness in our life. He gives us light to the big questions of life. Do you have big questions? Do you ever wonder what you're here for? Do you ever wonder what your purpose is? Do you ever wonder if there's more to what this life offers than what you are already experiencing? These big questions are not just for young people. Because this church is full of people who are older and more mature, who have amassed tons of wealth, have tons of power, and yet many of them, when they're honest, will say, I still sometimes find this life to seem meaningless. Where's Jesus in that? Jesus is present to give us light into every dark situation that we face including the ultimate purpose of our life, which is to live for him, to believe in him, to bring him glory. He can meet you in a moment right now where there's darkness clouding in on you and bring light to that situation. He gives it to us in his word and the power of his Holy Spirit. Jesus is the son of righteousness. He is the light of the world. Light speaks into darkness, and the light of Christ has defeated darkness. There's something else about the sun, though. 
The sun brings warmth to where there is cold. How many of us, though none of us, I imagine, I don't see any here probably who are living on the streets tonight. There might be some, and I hope there would be people like that who would feel welcome to this church. But the coldness we feel so often is not physical. It's in relationships. It's in the coldness of conflict that's happening inside you and with other people. Sometimes your heart that once beat so warmly for the Lord is suddenly cold. Where is Christ in that? The Son of Righteousness is the one who can bring warmth to cold hearts. He's the one who can bring warmth to relationships that have gone astray. He's the light that brings life into darkness and warmth where there's cold. But there's something else about the sun. The sun brings security where there's danger. That's what light does. The first house that my wife and I lived in was on a street called 49th. It was in Oklahoma City. It was my grandmother's house. I moved in there after she had passed away. It wasn't in a very good neighborhood, but it was free. Christina and I lived there for about four years. Very common every night, I would say, for the police helicopters to fly by. Gang activity, all sorts of stuff. It was not a good neighborhood, but it was free. And we lived there and we felt pretty safe. But one night about three in the morning, we heard somebody banging at our front door. It was a young woman, I'd say in her mid to, to late 20s, and she was screaming, open the door. But my neighborhood was not the kind of neighborhood where you open the door for anyone. You don't know if it's a setup. You don't know what to do except to call 911. And we did. And I told her through the door, we're calling 911, and she was screaming. But again, I had no idea. If I opened the door and she comes in, who might come in with her? I was conflicted. So she ran from my porch, but she didn't run directly across the street. She ran three houses to the, to the west. And I wondered why those houses weren't as close. And she did the same thing on that door. She banged and she screamed and their interior lights came on too. They wouldn't open the door either. Soon the police arrived and I went outside because I felt safe. And I got to hear this story that was happening. I asked my wife later, why do you think she ran from our house, three houses to the west? She said, because that's the house that had a porch light on, just like ours. This woman had jumped out of a moving car because someone had abducted her. And she really was in danger. She ran to where there was light and she banged for help and help came. She went to another place. It was a place where the light is. My friends, we need to think deeply about the words of Christ when he says he's the light of the world. He has come to shine light where there is darkness. He has come to bring warmth where there is cold. He has come to bring security where there is danger. There's another thing to remember, though. He has come to bring righteousness. He is the son of righteousness. And what that righteousness means is that Jesus has come to make all things right, and he's the only one who could. It's his righteousness that covers us so that we can be seen by the Father as righteous in him. I want you to see something else, though, as I describe this gift. He's not just called the son of righteousness, 
but he's also described as the one who has healing in his wings. Again, that's in verse 2. Jesus Christ came, and when he started his public ministry at 30 years of age, he can be described as one man who went around healing people. Jesus had the power, the desire, and the ability to heal people who were deeply afflicted. Physically, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, he could do it all. Tonight, what I want to tell you about Jesus is that he is the God who heals. He has the power to heal any sickness, any disease. What I want you to understand, and this is very important though, is that even when Jesus walked upon this earth, he did not heal every disease. In this side of heaven, Christ has not promised us that he would heal every disease. But he has promised that for all who are in Christ, there will be a time in heaven where there will be no more disease, no more pain, no more hunger, no more tears, no more thirst. That ultimate healing, that promise is going to be fulfilled. This side of heaven, we should long for it. We should ask for it. We should pray for it. Our elders do. But we also know that if the Lord says no, it is not my will to heal you this side of heaven or your loved one. You still have something to cling to. You know what it is? It's his promise. The Lord has healing in his wings. He promises. He promises that one day there will be no more need for healing. All healing will have taken place for those who are in Christ. So what do we cling to? This is amazing. We cling to his promise. One other aspect of his promise is that while we suffer, he promises to be with us. Jesus never promised to take away the pain this side of heaven, but he promised to give us himself. So think of it this way. When you are going through a trial, when you're longing for that healing, when you're longing to see the Lord do something, and you sense that he's not yet saying yes, that indeed the healing might not take place until a person goes to be with him. Remember this, cling to his promises as his presence clings to you. Cling to his promises as his presence clings to you. Do you know what that means? That Christ through the powerful reality of the Holy Spirit, is more present in believers than the diseases we face. He is present. Cling to his promises as his presence clings to you. There's one final thing I want to say about this gift, this greatest gift, and I hope you saw it. As Malachi is describing the son of righteousness, the one who has healing in his wings. He then says, you shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. Okay. I want you to know that there's a calf living in you. 
Jesus Christ came to this earth to set us free. He came to this earth to set us free from the bondage of sin. And my friends, we get stuck in some pretty nasty stalls. We get stuck in stalls that don't look that nasty. In fact, because of Phariseeism and self-righteousness, we make the stalls look pretty nice and religious. But the reality is, Jesus Christ, the Son of Righteousness, has come to set us free, to break the bondage of anything that would keep us from being in Him. He came to set us free, not so that we could stay inside this stall and simply look around, but so that we could leap. When's the last time you leaped? When's the last time you considered who he is and what he's offered you and giving you himself and you just essentially couldn't contain yourself? Now, right now, some of you are thinking, well, Mark, that's a personality that I don't have. And Mark, don't forget we're Presbyterians. We don't leap. There's a calf inside you. And if you have been set free from Jesus, he's calling you and he's calling me to leap, to leap for joy because of what he has done for us. Tomorrow morning, children will be leaping. Tomorrow morning, children will be leaping because they can't help it. What I'm describing to you is far beyond any gift that a human being could give another one, except for the one who is the Son of Righteousness. The Son of Righteousness, the light of the world, entered into the darkness that we might see the light. The light of the world left the warmth of this incredible fellowship and became the incarnate one to walk upon an earth where the people he made would kill him. The son of righteousness became a servant so that he could set us free for all eternity. This is the gift. One question. Have you been set free? Have you been set free? If not, it's possible that the Son of Righteousness is moving towards breaking the silence in your life. And you're beginning to hear and to see that He is the one who can give you light and darkness, warmth where it's cold, security where it's danger, dangerous. He gives you Himself.
If you're beginning to feel that he is breaking you out of that stall, ask the person you came with to tell you more. If they don't know the answer, call me, email me, come and see me tonight. I'll stay down here. Robbie will too. This is the gift of gifts. This is the gift of gifts. Father in heaven, you sent your son Jesus and broke the silence. And now, Lord, we wait. And as we wait for your son to return again, we do cling to your promises. And those who know you know of your presence. And so tonight, Lord, if there are any in our midst who sense maybe this is the moment you're calling them to yourself, would you make that clear? And would you give them courage? Would you cause them to see what's offered? And even now, Lord, even now, lead them to pray for salvation, asking you to forgive them of their sins and to enter into their life for all eternity. Christ, thank you for coming. And Father, thank you for sending. And again, Lord, thank you for giving us this place. Help us now, Lord, as we listen, not to lose this moment, but to lean in and to consider what it means to have you this gift of gifts. We pray in your name. Amen.